lived experience listening to people who have direct experiences of something is a crucial part of creating effective policies and services and yet when it comes to mental health policies and services that's often not the case in fact people with lived experience of mental health conditions are often ignored and stigmatized people with lived experience are not regarded as persons with human dignity you know yet people with lived experience have huge insights to contribute having the lived experience of mental health condition put you in a very strong position you are an expert by experience if you want to know how comfortable a bed is the right person to ask is a person who bought it and who spends every night sleeping on it can a single spark of care ignite change hi i am rini sinha and i'm part of the team behind ember we are an initiative by the shm foundation that works with mental health initiatives in low resource settings so that they can grow and thrive in this series i speak with incredible people working at the forefront of mental health care and advocacy we are going to discuss some of the most pressing topics in this field How are you doing today Eleni? How has your day been so far? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Yeah, I'm looking forward for next week where I will have a holiday, a well-deserved holiday. <laughs> <laughs> today, I'm chatting with Eleni, the president of Mental Health Service Users Association or the MHSUA in Ethiopia. Since its establishment in uh, December 2018, the association aspires to be a collective voice for service users in Ethiopia working in advocacy for better mental health care and educating the public and fighting the stigma a stigma which Eleni deeply understands i have lived experience of bipolar disorder I was born in Ethiopia in the capital city Addis Ababa but at the age of like 13 14 I went to Belgium where my uncle was living because he wanted to give the opportunity for better education and I lived like 4 years there with a cultural shock with missing my family you know the difference in in world view I was raised in a very religious society and the family that Eleni joined were not religious. I was myself practicing but uh, joining a family which is uh, atheist etc it has uh, given me a hard time and I had a nervous breakdown there and I was uh, hospitalized. I spent like 3 Moses there and my mother came to pick me up and coming back to Ethiopia I had a very hard time with the stigma by that time it was a privilege to be going abroad for an education opportunity and coming back with a mental illness was really a distress for my family for myself and people were really um, stigmatizing my illness and uh, everything i was living in myself like a year 
I stopped education and seeing people. I just lived secluded from the community in fear of the stigma. After taking some time off education, Eleni completed her studies and worked at the Commercial Bank of Ethiopia for seven years. I realized that the finance sector is not really my calling and I am more of a people person. So I want to be around people. I want to make a change in people's life, etc. She then moved to the humanitarian sector. She now juggles working part-time in research at a university with being the president of Mental Health Service Users Association. I'm married to a very caring man who, who played a very important role in my recovery journey. And I owe to my family. They really cared for me. They are in the medical profession, so they supported me along the way. I am very grateful for them. Beyond her supportive family, Eleni found that the mental health care available was really limited, particularly when it came to peer support. When I came back, there was very small number of hospitals that provide mental health care. And I have a very supporting family, but nothing compares to a peer who has gone through the same experience to talk to. So when I searched for such support groups, there was none. And when I was going to the consultation, I tried to connect with people there and exchanging phone numbers and talking to each other. But people are very much afraid to disclose their condition. My sister lives in the USA and when she gave birth, I went there to visit her. And there I joined a support group for bipolar disorder. And I saw people being so vocal, being so honest about their condition, about their own experience. One would cry so easily. I saw such a empathetic uh, condition and I said to myself, this is what I want for my country. With such little support available for people experiencing mental health conditions, a big part of the MHSUA's mission has been to create a community of peers who can support one another. But an added layer of challenge in healing from a mental health condition is the stigma that's attached to this area of health. Having a mental illness is understood as not having the things that you need to be human. It's not a charity or we are not asking for a favor, etc. It is a basic human right issue to be recognized as a human with uh, dignity, with personal choices, with personality. In Ethiopia, especially in the rural areas, mental illness is regarded as a curse from God, from Allah. And because it is regarded as a curse, the person that is suffering from mental illness is also regarded as a curse of the family. There is a stigma related to mental health 
In every family, it is something not to talk about. It is a taboo. People are not encouraged to express their mental distress at early level. So when the problem is very much serious, they would take you to a spiritual uh, healing place where most of the human rights violations are exercised. They only bring you to professional medical treatment when they lose hope in that uh, spiritual healing process. By then, your symptoms would be very much severe. I wonder if you could share with us about the day-to-day challenges when it comes to stigma. Even at an individual level, are there challenges in everyday life that you have faced in the present times? Having a bipolar disorder, I have mood swings. With the stigma, people do not recognize that I have a personality as well. So when I am sad, people and family members would think that I am going down to the depression level. Or sometimes when I am happy about some something positive, they would worry that I'm going to the mania level. It divorces you from having a personality and to enjoy life and to express emotions freely. You have to be very careful in expressing your emotions because people would understand that you are having an episode. It's not only at person level, but at structural level, at institutional level. The stigma is so heavily incorporated in all the systems. So it's not easy for us to break that stigma and champion our cause, you know. MHSUA, is very much involved in stigma reduction. So we share our own experiences in the social media, in our YouTube channel, in the Facebook, to show that it is possible to function productively with a diagnosis of mental health illness. The fact that we are there established as a legal entity says it all, you know, because we have an office, we have structures, our office is always open. In spite of the stigma, we are surviving. For the MHSUA, sharing their stories of lived experience is not only about destigmatizing the topic, it's also about shaping mental health policies and services for the better. I remember I heard uh, a story in uh, Zimbabwe that if you want to know how comfortable a bed is, the right person to ask is not the manufacturer, is not the wholesaler, is not the retail seller, but it is the person who bought it and who spends every night sleeping on it. So for me, having the lived experience of mental health condition put you in a very strong position where you are an expert by experience. Your experience is a positive thing for advocacy, for research, 
Engaging people with lived experience of mental health condition is really a new thing, at least for a low-income country like Ethiopia. It is a new phenomenon. So we don't know how to do it. Sometimes we engage them just nominally in a tokenistic way, you know. I must say that there are some positive changes to acknowledge. There was a national mental health strategy plan that was being reviewed in the last year, and we were one of the reviewers as well. I really gladly report that our perspectives were included in the strategy plan. For instance, we recommended peer support to be recognized as one of the optimal mix of service uh, delivery. That's a huge so achievement. So that was included. Yeah, that was included. We are grateful that there are some changes, but we are far from the optimal engagement of service users. Since this is a new phenomenon in the country, we have a lot of work to do, a lot of engagement. Sometimes it asks a very personal effort to understand, to make people understand that we have a legitimate um, voice to be heard. Lived experience is a term that's increasingly heard in discussions of mental health. But there's a danger that it becomes a buzzword or just a tokenistic gesture. Finally, our voices are being heard. Finally, we have a seat at the table. And finally, our expertise are being acknowledged. And we have that space to contribute now, to turn our lived experiences into something that has purpose, but also that has value. That's Charlene Sankel, founder and CEO of Global Mental Health Peer Network, the first global organization dedicated to cultivating and catalyzing a new generation of lived experience leaders. The irony of this is that although our expertise are being recognized and needed, we are often expected to do this for free. So in essence, our expertise is not valued. When compensation is offered, it is almost insulting where we have been offered, for example, vouchers. So we are often caught in between a rock and a hard place. But from the monetary value, good practices should also be followed when engaging with people with lived experience to ensure equality and equity. And by that I mean affording reasonable accommodations to wherever needed to ensure meaningful contributions. So, for example, when it comes to engagement and decision-making processes, it is important to involve people with lived experience from the get-go and not uh, as an afterthought, and also to provide adequate information prior to the engagement session. It's a new way of thinking and a new way of looking at people with lived experience as partners and not as patients. So expectedly, there will be issues that need to be addressed, and we can only do that when we have this conversation. It's amazing to hear about the MHSUA's success in helping shape government policy. Eleni touched on the importance of bringing together a varied coalition of allies to tackle mental health needs in a holistic way. Collaborating with the stakeholders is very much important 
in advancing our cause. Mental health is not a one-dimension. It's not a, only a health issue. It is a very social issue, political issue, etc. Because if you only address the health issue, the social determinants of mental health would not be addressed. If you want to work in the field of mental health, you need to adopt an attitude of collaboration with the government, with policymakers, with um, implementers, with NGOs, with civil society. So we need to have a very uh, comprehensive uh, understanding of the issues affecting mental health. So working in collaboration is key for me. Imagine all the activities that you have planned, all the work that you're currently doing, the recommendations that you've made. There's a mental health uh, legislation in place in Ethiopia. We are living in that ideal world. So what would it look like? I would put it very simply because it's simple. I would be glad to see uh, mental health service users being recognized as persons with human dignity. I would want to see this change, not only in the capital city, but also in every district and Kabbalists, we call them Kabbalists, the smallest administration unit of all the rural areas. So I want to see that happening for service users. If this happens, it would be easier to advocate for a better mental health care because the government would not have a stigma. Resources would be allocated for mental health. So services would be available in every district and psychosocial treatments would also be improved and being accessible to all people. Regarding mental health services that as a person with human dignity and as a citizen with equal rights with others goes a long way in Ethiopia. So I want to leave it. Please take me to that world. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, both Eleni and Charlene, for taking the time out to speak with me. You can find out more about their work on the Ember website. A huge thank you to Josh and Chana for the brilliant sound design and production support, to Archie Henderson for the beautiful theme music, and to you, thank you for listening. If you like the show, please do give us a rating and subscribe to the podcast. Apparently, it helps others find out about it. Until the next episode, let's keep the sparks of care alive.